All right, folks, Ben Buchanan, investment advisor, portfolio manager, and retirement planner extraordinaire, downloading viruses of pathological optimism and investment insights straight from my brain to yours. This is the podcast on IRAs, 401ks, and how dramatically longer lifespans are coming and why that is important to your investing decisions today. So let's begin. What is, I repeat, what is a 401k? What is an IRA? If you guess that a 401k is somebody with $401,000 in their bank and an IRA is a member of the Irish Republic Army, you really, really need to listen to this podcast. If you actually know those terms already, good, you still need this podcast. So, what are these things, actually? In a nutshell, they are the government's gift to mankind. They allow your retirement investments to grow tax-free until you take the money out. Now, how important you might ask, is tax-free growth. Well, let's see. If you put away $5,500 a year, which is the most amount of money you can put into an IRA, and it grows tax-free at the market's average rate of return, which is around 8%, then after 40 years, you're going to have $1.4 million. If you paid tax on that 8% of earnings every year, on the other hand, you would have around $940,000. So that's a difference of almost 500 grand. Do 100% to the benefits of your money growing tax free. This is because the average tax you would owe on an 8% annual gain is about 20%. So if you owe 20% gain uh, tax on your 8% gain, you only get about 6.4% instead of 8%. 401ks have the same tax free growth. The difference in what you have over a long period of time is huge. Now, there are two types of 401ks and IRAs traditional, and Roth. Here's the difference between them. In a traditional IRA, you get to deduct the amount of money you put in from your salary, meaning you don't owe taxes on that income. If you make $50,000 a year and put $5,500 of it into a traditional IRA, the government will only tax $44,500 of your income. This will save you somewhere around $1,200 in taxes, or more if you have a higher income tax rate. The same is true of traditional 401ks. Anything you put in is deducted from your income. If you put in the full $18,000, which is the most you can contribute to a 401k, then you could save somewhere around $3,500 or more if you're in a higher tax bracket. But here's the catch. When you take the money out later in life, you have to pay tax on that money as if it were income in that year. So the money grows tax-free in both traditional and Roth retirement accounts, but at the end, you have to pay taxes on traditional accounts. Let's look at a hypothetical. You have a million dollars in your 401k when you retire, and you want to take out $100,000 for living expenses. Okay? That means you are getting $100,000 of income if it's a traditional account. So you might owe, say, $20,000 on that $100,000 withdrawal because it is treated as income. This is where the Roth account starts to look very good. Sure, you have to pay tax on that income today, but you never have to pay tax on that money again. If you want to pull out $100,000 when you retire, you get the full $100,000, not $80,000. Now, there's one more big difference between traditional and Roth accounts. With traditional accounts, the government forces you to withdraw your money after you hit a certain age. It's called the Required Minimum Distribution, or RMD. This is why I recommend that you always use Roth accounts if you can. Sometimes you can't because your income is too high. 
Sometimes you can't because there are weird laws related to married people that file separate tax returns. But almost all people can use a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. And in my opinion, no matter how much you will save in taxes today by using a traditional account, it is just not worth it. Over time, you will be better off not having to pay taxes when you take the money out and not being forced to withdraw the money when the government wants you to, as opposed to being able to take it out whenever you feel like it. So, obviously, I don't think it's ever good to have to follow some sort of rule on when and how you can use your own money, which is essentially what traditional accounts make you do. But there is a reason that is even more important to understand, uh, which, in my mind, makes using Roth accounts wherever possible a no-brainer. The way the government determines how fast you have to take the money out of your traditional account, and remember, pay taxes on what you take out, is based on your life expectancy. So their goal is to make sure that by the time you die, you've basically taken out all or most of your money. Now, what is wrong with this? The biggest problem with this is that the government's life expectancy tables might be wrong. They could be way off. I think there's a very solid chance that people are going to live way longer than the government expects. Because what is happening in science and technology today is going to accelerate the rate of progress that we make in figuring out how to do things like cure or slow cancer and Alzheimer's and even potentially aging itself. Maybe some of you are aware of this, maybe some of you aren't, but here's an anecdote that supports my point. 15 years ago, there were only a few people who were considered uh, basically mad scientists who were talking about lifespans being extended dramatically. When I say dramatically, I mean past 100 to 150 and beyond. These people were not mainstream. Most people didn't listen to them. You didn't see him getting interviewed on the major news channels. And for the most part, it was only these, quote, mad scientists debating among themselves how soon it would be before these things happened. Now, fast forward to today. Today, top scientists from academia, Google, Facebook, Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, Ivy League professors, you name it. Almost all credible scientists today agree that lifespans are going to jump hugely for anyone who is in the millennial age or lower, and maybe even for people that are in Generation X, which is the generation between millennials and baby boomers. So nobody even debates anymore whether or not this is going to happen. The only thing credible scientists today debate is whether it's going to be 20 or 50 years before we start to dramatically extend lifespans. Now, before you start telling me, Ben, I'm 35, if this happens to me when I'm 100, I don't want to live as a 100-year-old for the rest of my life. Well, I hear this all the time, but I don't actually think that's what's going to happen. What is going to happen is that anti-aging techniques will not only be able to slow down aging, they will slow down the damage that is done to your body, and eventually they'll be able to reverse it. The reason credible scientists agree today that this will eventually happen is that there is now a widespread uh, consensus that the body is a machine. Granted, it is the most complicated machine on Earth, but it is a machine. It has moving parts, and those moving parts can be fixed. 
whether it's 3D printed organs, stem cells that can turn into new brain cells, techniques for genetic engineering like CRISPR, which for the geeks out there stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats, and it's something that, again, lets you edit genes in living people. All of these things are going to be able, at some point in time, slow down and eventually repair the damage done to the body from aging. So it's not that you're going to be 100 forever. It's that you'll be 100 one year, 99 the next, 89 the next, 65 the next, and so on until we hit a world where 85 is the new 35. But real quick, I want to explain what aging actually is because most people don't know. Aging is not some sort of misunderstood biological process that just happens. It is not just a fact of life. It isn't even really a result of biology. It is not our chemistry and biological makeup that make us age. It is not some predetermined clock that makes us age. We actually know what it is these days. And there is widespread agreement by scientists about what causes aging. So what aging actually is is the result of damage that accumulates over time because the body is used. Just like a car is damaged in its natural course of operation, which is driving, aging is a result of physical processes. It is a result of your heart pumping, which is a physical process. It is a result of your body metabolizing food, which is a physical process. It is a result of you using your muscles to walk, a physical process. So. Aging in the human body, just like a car wearing out, is a result of the simple day-to-day -day functioning of the human body. This is important to understand because this is the basis of understanding why it is a reversible process. We don't actually have to figure out how to, quote, stop aging. And who knows, maybe that is impossible. What we have to do is figure out how to repair the damage that is done to the body in its normal course of operating. Once we can repair the damage that happens, we will have effectively stopped aging. Now, for those of you who are saying, Ben, 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 don't be silly. I know that humans will someday figure out how to repair the body and slow or stop aging, but it's going to be hundreds of years. Here are a couple things that I think are worth considering that might make the future play out differently. Um, assume for a second that I am right, and that we are no more than, say, 10 or 20 years from figuring out conceptually how to slow or stop the aging process in simple organisms like yeast, reptiles, small mammals, uh, mice, etc. When we are able to finally show that we can slow or stop the aging process in small animals, at that point, it is going to be undeniable that we will eventually figure out how to do the same thing for humans. That is going to be a catalyst for something that nobody expects. That is going to be a catalyst for the government beginning to spend hundreds of billions or even trillions of dollars all over the world on aging research. It will be the new mission of humanity. Just like the United States decided to put a man on the moon and they did it in 10 years with technology we had in the 60s, humanity governments across the world are going to come together or maybe not exactly come together but they're going to be investing on their own in the same thing which is figuring out how to halt aging now you may be thinking ben 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 you're crazy governments won't want to stop aging that would cause the world population to explode 
the societal ramifications will be crazy. It just won't happen. Well, again, that might be true. But there are some other dynamics that are worth considering, which could result in a much different scenario than most people expect. One, once people realize that they might miss eternal youth by only a few decades, or conversely, people realize that they might not suffer Alzheimer's and cancer. Maybe they don't want to live forever, but they just don't want to suffer Alzheimer's and cancer in their old age. These people are going to elect politicians who support government funding to cure aging. I think you should trust me on this. It's not real to anyone now. Nobody internally, truly in their heart of hearts believes that this is going to happen. And people gear up from the time they hit middle age to prepare for death because it seems inevitable. And why fight something inevitable with false hope? But when society at large realizes that it is actually inevitable that the aging process will be slowed down or even reversed, they will put people into political office that will fund the research. So I think this is going to result in people pushing the government to cure aging or vote them out of office. Now, here is another dynamic. And this one is even more important to understand because this is the reason that even if you disagree with reason number one, I don't think it'll matter. I think governments are going to pour hundreds of billions or even trillions of dollars into anti-aging regardless of whether or not there is widespread public pushing, so to speak, to put money into this type of research. This reason boils down to basic common sense economics. Let's look at a hypothetical. One country has 80% of its population in their working age and 20% retired. So 80% of the people's taxes are going to fund 20% of people's healthcare, retirement, social security, or the equivalent thereof in their uh, other countries, etc. That is economically feasible. 80% of people supporting 20% of people retired. Our other country has 60% of its population in their working age and 40% of the population retired. Guess what? If these two countries are competing on the global stage, one will crush the other. One country will be paralyzed by the cost of supporting older people who are no longer putting money into the tax system. The other country will be fine. Further, the country with the higher number of people working is going to have more people to innovate, build new companies, discover new technologies, and the economy will be more attractive because it will represent a larger market. And the larger market will attract entrepreneurs that want to build companies. People love to start companies in the biggest markets. That is one of the benefits the United States has in attracting entrepreneurs. So one of these countries is going to have to tax people at 50% or more of their income to support the retired portion of the population. The other country will be able to tax people at only 20% of their income. Entrepreneurs will flock to the country with the lower taxes and the bigger market. So this is why I think that whether people even want it or not, you're going to find major governments all over the world supporting this research because if they don't, their economies are not going to be viable in the new world order. So you may have other questions like, Ben, won't we have a problem with overpopulation? Again, I think the answer is not necessarily. 
If you took all people on Earth and put them in a city with the population density of Tokyo, they would fit inside of Texas. You heard that right. All people on Earth with the same population density of Tokyo would fit in Texas. So we don't really have a space problem. Today we have a resource and infrastructure problem. We could make plenty of food and purify plenty of water, but it's too hard to ship it everywhere. And the way the economy works today, we don't have money to ship it everywhere because people in Africa can't afford to build the infrastructure and people in other countries today are not uh, generous enough to go pay for Africa to build out infrastructure. But these are solvable problems and we will solve them. But to me, this is not even the reason that is the most important, uh, that we shouldn't really worry about things like overpopulation. The most important reason we shouldn't worry about these things is because all of these problems are not nearly as big of a problem as dying, as cancer, as Alzheimer's. Cancer and Alzheimer's are not something that you can cure without curing aging itself. Cancer and Alzheimer's are not the result of some sort of crazy thing we don't understand. They are the result of things that happen because the body gets used and it wears out over time. So don't expect us to cure cancer and Alzheimer's without dramatically extending lifespans. It's just not going to happen. The two are intertwined. Consider, wouldn't it be better to have society trying to solve the problem of overpopulation? because nobody gets cancer anymore? Wouldn't it be great for our biggest problem to be trying to figure out how to build taller apartment buildings or grow more food or purify more water? If those are our biggest problems, it's only because everybody on Earth is healthy and happy. And in my mind, having healthy, happy people trying to figure out how to grow bigger buildings and grow more food and what have you, is a much better situation than having people still suffering from cancer and Alzheimer's. So, what does this mean for your Roth IRA? Well, if you live to 150 years old, you sure as hell do not want to be forced to take all of your money out of your traditional IRA by the time you are 80. You want that money to grow tax-free as long as it possibly can. Here's a number for you. If you save money in a Roth IRA for 40 years, you're going to have $1.4 million in it. If you save that money in an account where you pay tax, you're going to have $940,000. So guess what happens from that point forward? So we're going to look at, again, say you start when you're 30, and you save money for 40 years, and one person has that money inside of a Roth IRA, and the other person has the money inside of a traditional IRA. At the end of that 40 years, the person in the Roth IRA keeps on growing their money tax-free. The person in the traditional IRA has to take their money out because they've hit the government's maximum expected uh, life table. So what happens the next 20 years, the next 30 years, and so on? So 20 years after the traditional IRA had to pull the money out and invest at a 6.4% rate of return because they no longer get the tax-free growth, you would have inside of the Roth IRA, $6.5 million, as opposed to having around $3.5 million. So again, 
the extra growth period based on the same initial amount of starting money is nearly twice as large because it keeps on growing tax-free for 20 years. After 30 years, you're looking at a difference of about $8 million. Inside of the Roth, you would have over $14 million versus if you had, had to take the money out, you would only have around six and a half. So the impact of tax-free growth only gets bigger over longer periods of time. If you keep that money inside of an IRA, inside of a Roth IRA for long enough, you will not even be able to spend money as fast as it grows. But if that money is kept in a normal account or in a traditional IRA where it's got to be taken out when you get to be older, you're not going to benefit from that tax-free growth for near as long. The older we live to be, the more important it is to grow our money tax-free. So, net-net, put your money into Roths if you can, and traditional IRAs and 401ks if you can't. But whatever you do, don't just save money in a, in a normal account or brokerage account because you will retire poor. This is one of the most potent financial vitamins I've ever delivered. Take it. Don't spit it out.